Father, Jesus, we're here this morning in your powerful name. And Father God, as we have just worshipped you, as we poured out our hearts in song, may you now open our minds to hear from your word. May you teach us your truth. And may we walk out of here representing your powerful name in a powerful way. Father God, love is why we're here because you loved us so much. You made a way. So Father God, help us to share that love with the world. Your precious holy name we pray, amen. If you would, take a moment and you can turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Or it will also be on the screen. And I'm reading verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That ends the reading. Please be seated. Uh, This morning, it's my privilege to continue our series, This Is Us. And um, we started the series last week, and it's about the idea of the family. But not, not simply a biological family or a nuclear family, but what we are as a church, the family of Christ together. And so this morning on this Mother's Day, I want to talk a little bit about what mom taught us. We're going to dig into Colossians 3. We're going to look at the, the passage we just read. And we're going to talk about all the things that, that mom taught us. And also that Paul is teaching us. As how we should live and how we can best represent Christ. And as I think about all the, the wonderful things that uh, my mom taught me. Um, I'm going to spend a few moments this morning and interweave with the sermon uh, my own experience for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, because I'm preaching and no one can stop me. And number two, because my mom's on a cruise and she cannot refute anything that I say. So I'm just going to go for it. And I remember one of the very first things that my mom taught me, um, you know, having to do with baseball, which is kind of interesting. It wasn't really one of the first things, but it's one of my earlier memories and you know, here's the thing about baseball. Baseball was a big and important part of my life. You know, all the way growing up, that's all that I wanted to do. And, and when you start out with baseball, you start out with t-ball, right? 
And they put the ball on the tee, and they're trying to make it as easy as they can for you to hit it. And I don't know the way they do it now, but back when I was a kid, the next step was coach pitch. And so your coach would get down there, and it would be your coach pitching to you. And so he'd get usually get down on a knee, and he'd throw the ball to you, and he's trying to make it, again, as easy as he can for you to hit it. That all changes when you get to kid pitch, right? As soon as you get to kid pitch baseball, the idea of the pitcher is what? Yeah, to, to make it hard for the other team to hit. So baseball fundamentally changes at that age level. And I remember, um, you know, uh, wanting to be a pitcher and trying. And I remember my very first time, you know, pitching. And the thing is, I had a good arm. I could throw it really hard. And so it was really hard for the other team to hit it. In fact, like the third game I ever pitched, I threw a no-hitter. They didn't get any hits. The problem was my accuracy. Wasn't always what it should be especially as a young pitcher. So actually, um, the first two batters I ever faced got a free pass to first base because I plunked them with the ball, right? And I think that first game I pitched, um, I walked 12 batters, which Garf Finvold will tell you, you know, he pitched at the major league level. That's usually not very good, right? Your coach usually pulls you at that point, probably earlier than that, right? The problem was the coach was my dad. And he just kept yelling, throw strikes! Throw a strike, right? Well, my mom had different approach. So I rode home with my mom from that game. And uh, she said, well, David, just throw the ball softer. That way you can throw strikes. And that way it'll be easier for the other team to hit. Which she didn't quite get that we had made that transition in baseball. So that wasn't necessarily great advice. Although the probably throw it softer would have probably been a good idea. Because maybe I would have thrown more strikes that way. But over the years, my mom gave me all kinds of, of great advice. And so this morning, I want to talk about the kinds of things that moms teach us and also what Paul is teaching us and how that's so important for us as we go through life, as we walk through life to remember and apply these lessons. So we're going to dig into Colossians uh, 3. And first of all, I want to I talk about one of the very first things our moms teach us is how to get dressed, right? Right? Your mom teaches you how to get dressed. I remember when the kids were really young, and, um, and you, you have to dress them all the time, right? Some of you are maybe still in that stage where you have to dress the kids, right? And that, that's not, that's like, it's a hassle, and everything takes twice as long as it should be. And then there's that glorious time when they can start dressing themselves, right? Is anyone like right in the beginning stages of them dressing themselves? No one. Okay, never mind then. All right, but when you get to that stage, one of, the, one, of the fun, one of the fun things, I mean, it just started for me. You know, my son's a sophomore now, so he just learned to dress himself. So that's pretty cool. But I remember when I, first, um, when I first got to where I could dress myself, the funny thing, especially with boys, girls usually get a better sense of this, is that the outfits are ridiculous. Like, they, you just wear whatever you like. And it doesn't necessarily go together. So I had a, a, a bright blue and red Superman shirt that I wanted to wear every day because I wanted to be Superman. So I had this bright red and blue Superman shirt. And if you remember back in the day when, when, um, when men's shorts and boys' shorts were obscenely short, anyone remember that? I don't know who thought this was a good idea. No one wants to see this part of a man's body, Right? 
except for like little babies when they're fat and chunky. That's pretty cool. But, right? And so I had this really short pair of green, bright green and bright yellow shorts, right? So you're getting a picture, blue and red shirt, green and yellow shorts. I would wear that almost every day. If I could, I would have worn it every day. And then back then, you had the high socks, and I had gray ones. And they were gray with like different colored stripes. They could be purple and orange. They could be, could be red and blue. That would be kind of matching and tying it in. But it was random every day. Gray socks, you know, uh, the really short green and yellow shorts, and the blue and red. Right? It didn't work. It doesn't look right. It's not attractive. And so your mom kind of teaches you about how to do that properly and how to th- make things match and how to look good. Well, as we dig into this scripture, Paul is sort of teaching us that same thing. And it starts out in verse 12. Therefore is God's chosen people holy and dearly loved. So Paul starts out by reminding us of who we are. He's saying we are God's special chosen people. The word holy really means kind of set apart. We're set apart. We're like that special china at grandma's house, right? It doesn't ever get used. It's just there. It looks beautiful and pretty and it's special. Maybe it comes out on Christmas or Thanksgiving. It's special. And God is saying, you are my special set-apart people. You are dearly loved. He's reminding us of that truth, that we are God's dearly loved people. And so he's saying, you represent me. And so as you do that, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, I want us to think about what Paul is telling us here with these things, right? And these are kind of the same lessons our moms would have taught us as well, right? All of these things are sort of the opposite of our natural tendency. We're not naturally compassionate. In our our sin, in our human nature, we don't naturally care about other people first, right? Who do we care about first, naturally? Ourselves. We're not naturally kind, right? Little kids don't naturally just say, hey, here's my favorite toy. Brian, would you like to play with my favorite toy? Right? Do kids do that naturally? What's one of the first words they learn? Well, no is the first word they learn, yeah. Mine, right? They say, mine. Like, Brian, you can't have my toy. That's mine. And that's, that's the way kids are well. That's what they do. We're not, they're not naturally kind. We teach them that. Our mothers teach us to be kind. We're not naturally humble, right? We're not naturally gentle. We're not naturally, I mean, I I still haven't figured patience out. You know, I'm 45. I'm like, I figure I'm like halfway there. When I'm 90, I'll be patient, maybe. And so we look at these things and we say, "This, this this is the right. Our moms teach us these things. And Paul is saying, this is the right way to represent God, as you clothe yourself, what you put on, this is how you need to represent God. These are all things that are attractive, right? Who likes being around people that are compassionate? Who likes being around people that are kind? Who likes being around people that are humble, right? Or gentle? Who's met someone that's patient before? Oh, a couple of you have. Good. All right. Excellent, right? And so... So you think about these things. These are all attractive qualities, things we want to be around. And so just like our mom taught us to dress well so we would look nice, Paul is saying, act like this and you'll be attractive to the world. 
They'll want to be a part of what you have going on. Another thing our moms teach us is how to treat others, right? They teach us, teach us that, that it's important how you treat other people. When I was a little boy, uh, my best friend was, uh, lived across the street. His name was David Mark Lindenbaum, right? Obviously a Gentile, right? And um, so David Mark Lindenbaum was my friend. It, it, was, it was kind of like one of these things where we were the only two boys in the neighborhood, but we were best friends. And we really liked each other. We got along, but we also, we would also like kind of get in fight, fight a lot and, and argue. And so mom was always kind of working on me on how to treat, how to treat my friends and how to treat other people. And so David Mark was a hitter. And so we'd get in a disagreement and he would hit me. Now I'm telling this from my side of the story. So obviously he hit me first, right? Because that's the way I remember it. Um, but I, I was not to be outdone, so I was a biter. And like in the whole paper, rock, scissors world, bite beats hit, right? I mean, even Mike Tyson learned that, you know? Please, please don't tell him I said that. All right. Right? And so, so we, would, we would argue and we would fight and then, and then you know, we would, we would get into these disagreements, and, and he would hit me, and I would bite him. And that didn't work out long term. Eventually, you know, his mom, Renee, came over and said to my mom, um, Susan, you know, I think David Mark probably, probably started it. He probably hit David first, but, but um, there's a bloody hole in David Mark's arm right here. And this can't continue because he'll disappear, right? And, and so, you know, we had to work and learn how to figure that out. And, and Paul is teaching us the same thing here in verse 13. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Right? And there's sort of a two-step thing going on here. The first part says, bear with each other. Now, we all have people that we're in relationship with that do things that kind of irk us or annoy us, right? Like all the spouses are saying, yes, absolutely. Right? If you live together long enough, there's certain things that your spouse does that annoys you, right? You don't even have to be together that long. Sarah made me a list from things that J-Mac does. Right? And we all do things. And, 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 the, and so Paul is saying, listen, with those things that are not necessarily sins or you don't need to forgive for, just bear with them. Bear with them. Like this morning I got up and um, Sarah is on, Sarah's on shift today. So I wanted to get up early before she left and, and you know, tell her Happy Mother's Day and make sure everything was good. And, and um, she doesn't like when I wear these shoes. And so she's like, oh, I hate those shoes. And I always get self-conscious. I'm like, they're really nice. Like, I like the way they look. You know, I, I like them. She's like, they, they make clunking noises. Right? Now, that's not the level of sin that I'm wearing these shoes, I don't think. But they do. They make, you know, they're loud when I walk. And things like that are, are, are like at the level of annoyance or irritating. And so, and so Paul's saying, listen, when people irritate you or annoy you, bear with it. Suck it up. Put them before yourself. And then there's a kind of a second level when people actually wrong you and actually sin against you. And Paul says, in those instances, forgive them. It doesn't say, wait until they ask for forgiveness or wait until they make the first step. It says, no, forgive them. 
If there's anything between you and someone else, you go and forgive them. And that's one of the things that our moms teach us, right? Listen, when you're playing with someone and they do something wrong, when they hit you, don't bite them. Forgive them. So again, I was a slow learner. These things took time. Next thing that our, that our moms teach us, and again, Paul is teaching us in this passage again, is, is to love one another. Right? To love one another. And this is another thing where, where I was kind of slow on the uptake with this. And so I remember as, as, a, as a child growing up, one of the big things was that my sister and I never really got along well. We would kind of fight all the time. And again, you know, my memory is she would do something like kick me under the table and then I would respond and get in trouble. That's usually the way it works, I think. Right? And, and so we, we would fight and argue a lot and it drove my dad crazy. He was an only child, so he wasn't used to this, you know, like sibling rivalry. My mom understood a little bit more because... Um, my mom and her brothers had, had fought a lot growing up, and they would argue and fight. In fact, um, there's some horrible things, guys, I'm going to tell you about my mom right now that, that make me very disappointed. I, I'm, a, I'm appalled, but she, she and her older brother used to take her younger brother and lock him or, and put him in the clothes hamper and close it and then bang on the sides and tell him the boogeyman was coming. Susan Franklin, I'm embarrassed. But you know, siblings, kids do that. They fight and argue, and so you gotta teach them, you gotta, we gotta love one another. We gotta love one another. In this passage of scripture, it says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. You see, at the very heart of what God wants for us, particularly in the body of Christ, is to be unified, to be one. In John 17, the high priestly prayer, which is this long whole chapter filled with the prayer of Jesus. Most people think it probably was one of the part of the prayer that he had in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's getting ready to face the cross. And he prays this prayer. He's pouring out his heart to God and over and over and over again, he says, God, may they be one. May they be unified. And because they, if they, when they are, the world will want to be a part of that. And so Paul is teaching us this truth here, and he's saying, the thing that will unify you, you know, yes, put these things on. Put these attitudes on, but sometimes you're going to mess up. He's like, forgive each other when you mess up. But above everything else, love each other. Later on, Paul writes, love covers a multitude of sins. You see, we can wrong each other, we can upset each other, but ultimately, if at our base and our foundation, we have this, this love for one another, it covers it all. It unifies us. That's why, that's why I believe Jesus simplifies all the rules and laws of the Bible. He says, love God with everything you've got, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Against these things, there's no law. Love. I think I really learned this not necessarily from the things that my mom taught or said as I was growing up, but more from, from watching her in action. As I got older, um, my parents kind of decided they wanted our house to be the house where everyone hung out, especially like in, in high school. They just, they just wanted that to be the case. And so uh, one summer, I think between 8th and ninth grade, my dad and I built uh, like this back floor room on our house. 
This is what I mean by saying my dad and I built. Like he told me to carry things and I would bring them to him and then he built it. All right. But we, we built this uh, room together and it was, it was really awesome. And so we put a, a pool table out there and a little television with a Nintendo hooked up to it. And, um, and then there was a refrigerator. And the, the house rule, especially my dad's rule, was anything in that refrigerator was fair game for me and my friends. But I, we were not allowed the food in the indoor refrigerator on threat of life or loss of limb. And so um, my mom was a little more flexible on that one, but, but my dad had some hard and fast rules. And, and this, this disturbing trend happened as we, became the, as we became the house that everyone hung out at and my friends would always come over. This disturbing trend would happen. And people would come and my friends would come and spend the night. There was always people at our house. And inevitably, I'd be hanging out, and one or two of my friends would be sitting at the bar inside next to my mom, and they would be, like, confessing their sins to her and telling her about all their problems. Now, that's troubling for a couple of reasons. The primary reason is because I was intricately involved in a lot of their sins. And there were some unbeknownst-to-my-mom confessions that I was looped into. And so, you know, but I just saw how my mom did such a great job of loving my friends. Loving people that, that you know, were, were telling her all the messy details of their life. And she just would, would love them. And, and I would always try to remind her, hey, if you forgive him, you should probably forgive me too. Um, but that was a less, that's the way I learned this lesson of love from my mom. Not even so much from what she said, but just from some, what she showed me. And, and that's exactly what Paul does too, right? He says, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Watch the way I do this and follow and do it. And he's saying love is, is so important. Finally, Paul tells us that we should be like Jesus. Look at this, three different places, verses 15 through 17. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Have that peace that Christ has. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Verse 16. And verse 17, and whatever you do, whether a word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. With all these things, he's saying Jesus needs to be first. Jesus needs to be the center. Jesus needs to be the priority. And this is something that my parents did such a great job at instilling in me and my siblings. You know, I, as hard as this is going to be for you guys to believe, I got in trouble kind of often when I was a kid. And I would get in trouble and, uh, you know, do dumb things and, and inevitably I would get grounded. And, and I remember... I got grounded differently than other kids. Like, other kids would get grounded, and they would have to, like, go to their room and stay in the room, and everything would be taken away. No, no video games, no TV, no nothing. You just, you just stay in your room. I got grounded to church. My parents would ground me. You know, my dad would be like, all right, you're grounded. You're going to church. And he would drop me off, and it was like, but, Dad, there's nothing going on at church then. Then, then find people and help somebody do something. And so I would get grounded to church. So, you know, I remember probably the worst time was when I was like 14 and I got grounded. And then my parents picked me up when I was 17. He would say, you're grounded until you figure out what you did wrong. And it took three years. But anyways, 
No, but I mean, you know, some, some kids, like, I'll talk to kids today, and they'll, get, they'll be like, hey, PD, I can't be at uh, church tonight. I'm grounded. And I'm like, well, you got a different kind of grounding than I got. Because I used to get grounded not from church. I used to get grounded to church. And, and it was just such a priority in my parents' lives. It was so clear that, that there wasn't an option. Jesus was going to be an important part of your life. And up until the point where you make a decision about this, this has got to be. This is going to be a priority, and I think that was that was so meaningful and value, valuable in my life. And certainly, my parents didn't did did stuff wrong and and didn't get it right. You know, starting with my mom teaching me how to pitch. You know, but all this stuff. But you know what? My sister's a missionary. I'm a pastor. My brother went to seminary and worked as a pastor for a while. You know, I think they set this priority of Jesus in our lives, and it, it stuck. And Paul is teaching us, his family, the family of God, the same thing. He's saying, listen, everything in life, you got to focus on Jesus. It's got to come back to Jesus. He's teaching us how to dress. He's saying, put these things on. He's teaching us about our relationships with each other and forgiveness He's teaching us that love is the priority and we've got to be unified. But he's saying at the center of this all, you're not going to do this by trying harder. You're not going to do this by, by becoming a better person. You're going to do this because you're focused on Jesus. And Paul reminds us of that truth. So I got to say, thanks, Mom. My mom did a great job of, of teaching me these truths. And maybe, maybe you were blessed with a mom that taught you these things, or maybe you weren't. But I want to say that you have a church family here that wants to walk through this life together. This is us. We're a family. And we have brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers who are all here on this journey together. And hopefully together we can... As this journey that's, that's all about love, that we will remember and remind each other how to dress, how to forgive, and bear with each other, how to love, and ultimately how to together pursue Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for your word. Father God, this, uh, this passage of Scripture is so rich. We could, we could preach on this text for weeks. But the, the main thing that we grab from it this morning is our need to focus on you. So Jesus, help us to fix our eyes on you. Remind us of the truth from this. Help us to to dress well, to love well, to forgive well, and to follow you well. In your precious holy name we pray, amen.